This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to this week in Bitcoin, super spreading Bitcoin 2022. Yeah, that's the Bitcoin 2022 conference here in Miami. Yes, I'm in Miami already. Strong hand, long term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. These guys are in motion. Oh, they've all got stories. Don't FOMO on alts. I'm offended by selling. This is where the big boys play. Okay, dudes, it is the last day of freaking March. Oh, God. This is going to be the last show that I'm promoting the Bitcoin 2022 conference because it's a Bitcoin 2022 conference is coming up, dudes. What a difference two years makes. Two years ago, I was in L.A., April Fool's Day, I was talking about the virus on this show, and YouTube got rid of my show for just took me off there for two and a half months. Now I'm in Miami. I'm running yesterday. I see a Bitcoin 2022 car. Um, two years ago, uh, the, the conference was supposed to be in California, it had just canceled. Florida is a free place, California is still bonkers. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to bring you the best freaking guest in the space. And we've got some wacky dudes here today. My Lord, I've, I brought together a, a, a crew of, of wild men. Kyle, he, he's down in Austin. I mean, he rules that place. He's the Bitcoin freaking bum. He's, got, uh, he's traveling around in a vehicle all over the United States. He'll be here. He's going to tell your, his story to the world. Eric... He's got an awesome book out there. I was hanging out with him in uh, Oklahoma City. I met him at the freaking airport. We, we spoke at the uh, event last week in Oklahoma City where Kyle also spoke there. It was a beautiful event. Um, I mean, it, great dude. You, he's going to start this show off. This dude, Paco, is in freaking Africa, okay? He's from India. He's in Africa. He's traveling around Africa just on Bitcoin, lightning. He knows all that stuff. He's, I mean, there's a video of him that I retweeted last week. He's just running around Africa, Kenya or something, jumps on a Bitcoin bus. He's got stories to tell. But let's jump to the news of the week because it is this week in Bitcoin. And yeah, come to Miami. Use the Bitcoin, my, my code, Adam10. It's linked to below. I'll give you the official promo later because I got to do that. They pay the bills around here. And speaking of paying the bills, I'm not doing another show until we can raise 34 more bucks. If I never raise 34 more bucks, we're never doing another show. I don't care. I've been doing these shows for so long. I'm just living my freaking life, dudes. Pound that like button. What was I going to say? Okay, so the news of the week. What was the biggest news? Well, on Tuesday, this dude... <laughs> You heard of him, Chris Larson, before. I don't give a darn about that he, he's so rich from owning Ripple. Good for him. If people want to buy that nonsense, I think they're insane. It's pre-printed nonsense. But, hey, it's got some freaks out there. But he's he's paying along with Greenpeace and, and some other people out there. I don't know who the heck's funding this darn thing. Um, but it, it's the ultimate uh, proof-of-stake FUD. It's saying, oh, we love the environment. We're creating a campaign where we're gently nudging Bitcoiners to encourage Bitcoin to, to, to skip, to become a, a proof of stake. You know, right now, of course, Bitcoin is proof of work. It, it made some headlines. It is linked to below. the And all three of these guests are linked to below, by the way. You got to check out their Twitters. They're awesome. But let me, let me read you what this is called here. And, and yeah, it, it's kind of wacky that the Chris Larson is taking a... Uh, major role in this hey, Adam. clean up, up bitcoin.com so the the great eric here his take on this was a little bit different than everybody else's um i'm gonna uh read it here uh where is it uh what was it proof of stake protocols will eventually be regulated as equity securities i think the bitcoin proof of stake narrative isn't about energy and is about this so what he's saying is that there's some entities out there that just want uh, Bitcoin switched to proof of stake so they get into this regulatory environment that all the other proof of stakes are going to end up in. That is taking it to a whole new level of thinking, dude. All right. That really. So uh, we'll start out with you, dude. Tell us the story. What is going on with this Larson and uh, 
how big will this FUD be? And, and, and explain your take. I, you know, I don't even really like follow all this stuff that closely. I just flip through the website and I kind of understand proof of stake. And, you know, you you read quickly through the website and you see very quickly that these guys, uh, they you know, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. And uh, they, you know, they, they they walk through a lot of these arguments and um, it's, it's very high level. And when you get to the bottom of the page it's just like okay well there wasn't really a ton of time thought into this it's much more of a marketing ploy that's being used and um you know just i I think when you think about it from the lens of like okay what does proof of stake do proof of stake um compared to proof of work so proof of work is inherently more you know commodity like the way that it's structured it produces an asset that functions much more like a commodity whereas proof of stake is inherently more equity like and and all of these proof of stake protocols are eventually going to be regulated as equity securities. And that's a huge change for Ethereum when they move over to proof of stake, which they aren't even yet. Um, if they do that, then they're much more likely to be regulated. And the regulatory purview is going to expand over these in a very large way. Um, you know, all, all of these protocols are effectively prone to centralization. If you have money, you make more money, which is fine if you're structuring it like it's a company. And, um, and these things are all just going to be regulated as companies. So when I think about what, you know, why I, I don't know enough about Ripple, I don't know enough about Chris Larson, I don't really care. Um, but if I hear big movements and people with a vested interest to try to fork a network of very large value into something that's much more likely to be regulated, um, then that just tells me that these people are trying to get it under regulatory purview in some sort of form. Um, and energy is just, just like any sort of political talking point. It's something that's a very easy scapegoat to point fingers at. Yeah. So it, ripple uh, under your uh, prognosis for the future, if all uh, proof of stake and uh, all these uh, become regulated, then uh, yeah, ripple become regulated. So even the uh, playing field with, with ripple, a uh, Bitcoin will be in, in the same uh, freaking boat. Maybe he wants. Maybe that's. Uh, it's a very high level. I, I like. I like your take on it. I, I really haven't heard that. For me, it's 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 very simple here. Um, it, it's the, the ES, ESG narrative is uh, the best way to attack Bitcoin right now. Um, ripple is a competitor of Bitcoin, of course. Just att attack it with ESG. Um, there, there's all these uh, green interests out there that just love to attack anything and spread the ESG narrative. So this is a this is fun. This is fun for these people to do whatever. A lot of people will jump jump on board. I predicted uh, that eventually someone out there will take this ESG thing to the next level and just promote this narrative and fork a Bitcoin off to create an ESG Bitcoin, a proof of yeah. stake Bitcoin. And let them do that. I, I have no problem with it because the world will know that the real Bitcoin is proof of work. So I, I don't have a problem with any of these dudes doing it. I think it's, it's very interesting to analyze it and just to, to put it all out there and to calm people down that it isn't the end of the world. Um, they got a nice fancy website and it's Greenpeace. And, and there was a lot of – because people don't already like Chris Larson in, in the space. There, there was a lot of negative feedback. So I don't think he was the best guy to, to be their leader if he's going to be the leader. But we, we'll, we'll see how it progresses. It, it made the news. It didn't affect the price or anything like that. Um, but but it's, it's not going away, people. It is not going away. It is just getting bigger. And this was – it did get bigger. This was a, a more – it's more organized now. You can go visit the site. All right, so I, Kyle. I think – yeah, I think the uh, the interesting thing, it, well, there's two things. Like, one, to your point, go ahead and fork it, man. Like, change the code. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm like the the people who want to follow your new ESG Bitcoin, like, they're free to go follow your ESG Bitcoin. And for those of us like myself and others that are just going to keep following the the actual blockchain for Bitcoin, like, you're go ahead. I don't really care. But to Another point, I think uh, my friend Super Testnet actually summed it up uh, in a way that I thoroughly enjoyed, which is like, doesn't Ripple have their own blockchain? Go change your own code. Like, I like, leave us alone. Well, the thing is, he is very. He, he probably owns a lot of Bitcoin. At least, I don't know if these other dudes that are part of the movement own a lot of Bitcoin. But if he, oh, he is a very wealthy man, he probably owns a lot of Bitcoin. If he were to, you know, twist this around somehow to create an ESG Bitcoin. 
Well, then he would get all these free ESG Bitcoins and he could, mm -hmm. he could uh, dump them. He can't dump his Ripple as easily because, I mean, he's got a lot of Ripple, but that creates, you know, uncertainty in his, you know, in his primo there and everything. So it's, it's an interesting take. Everybody wants to mind the big guy's business, okay? I mean, that's what stakeholder capitalism is all about. All these people want to tell companies what to do when they don't even aren't even shareholders of the company. So that's what uh, this is stakeholder Bitcoinism. People who don't are no coiners. They want to tell Bitcoin what to do. And that's uh, yeah, we'll deal with it. That's uh, that, that's the way the world is working today. Uh, you know, busy bodies everywhere. Klaus Schwab and uh, all those. They want to deal with stuff they don't have no they own no part of. But they're stakeholders. Anyone can twist themselves around to be a stakeholder in freaking anything. All right. So, Paco, I don't know if you even care about this stuff. Dude. You've got some uh, – I mean, you've got real-world stuff to, to, to worry about. <laughs> I mean, do you care about the, the green narrative? And I mean, you care about uh, you know getting by in life, spread, spreading the Bitcoin word. So I don't know if you had any, any thoughts on that uh, on that story or even care at all. The website looks really beautiful. All right, it makes you <laughs> read till the end. You are just like, wait a minute, there is something down there for the Bitcoiners until you reach to the bottom, and you again scroll back to the top, and then you look back to your Bitcoin Maxi friend to the right. I'm like, hey, bro, have you heard about this? Did you hear Adam Meister is talking about this now? And then he was like, what's Adam Meister going to talk about this? What's happening? And then we are like, okay, this is, I, I, I always, I, I always just talk to everybody who talks about green energy is like we humans made plastic and then we found a solution to plastic. So good luck with that because we are doing pretty good. And I think so it's the, it is necessary in my journey. At least I feel proof of work is necessary because in my purely, I keep on doing this day in, day out, and it keeps on getting the traction. So I think so. You, as your as your father would give you pocket money for just being good to you. So it's a proof of work. So, so I, I I was uh, was stressing the thing you pointed out here. Um, if there's a problem with the environment, innovation will figure it out. The human species, the human beings, we come up with all sorts of freaking innovation. All right. Um, we, we don't need the government to force when the government gets involved, you don't innovate. It, it slows down innovation. All right. I think we've, uh, I, I don't know. Oh, and people in the audience, you can do a super chat. Of course, if you've got questions or thoughts about, I mean, people love the, the, the ripple and ripple and, and everything. And this just uh, puts it in a whole new light. Do you, uh, real, real quick here, Paco, did you ever hear about ripple? Um, in your part of the world? Yeah, the, it's called XRP Army. I came across an XRP Army guy in <laughs> Cambodia and he was just telling me how XRP is going to go big and he was sitting with a BSV guy and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, how do you guys find each other? The missions <laughs> find each other. And I was just there and I'm like, all right. In the end, I ended up paying for my bill with Bitcoin and I'm like, all right, you take it up in Japan, we'll take it over all around. One of the things Ripple people say is that, you know, it's... Uh, small and fast and whatever you're using lightning network so tell us what you're doing I, i'm sure everyone's curious like who, who is this guy um yeah. he, he's traveling around freaking africa and, and from india so tell us your story real quick uh i got namaste everyone my name is Paco. i'm from india and i'm traveling 40 countries in 400 days by just using bitcoin the purpose of the journey is to show there is mass adoption and mass awareness and to show through my daily vlogs that humans are really kind. Uh, I'm currently in Kenya. This is the eighth country. And so far it's going good. There is a huge adoption. People are really, really, they are mostly traders. I've come across who have these Binance wallets and Coinbase wallets, but they know what Bitcoin is to the extent of making money, period. So what I end up doing is I end up hosting Bitcoin meetups. So currently just today I was just hosting a Bitcoin in Mombasa. Uh, technical university so i tell them about what bitcoin really is and what's the philosophy behind it thanks to definitely saifuddin amos for the bitcoin standard that really you know once you see it you can't unsee it so this is what i'm currently doing yeah dude how many bitcoin meetups have you uh, start, had in africa uh, Africa, this is the this is the first one. I've got two more lined up. I'll be having another twenty. I've done so far forty-one meetups, I guess. Yeah, around badass, 21. dude. Yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah. You are like 
breaking records all over Africa. Um, I've been in this so long. <laughs> I've been, I got my first two Bitcoin in 2013. I mean, I, I went to South Africa for a Bitcoin conference in uh, 2015. And so many people just since even then, are like Africa is the future. Africa is the future of Bitcoin. It takes a while. It takes guys like you. <laughs> that I, 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 I want to share something. Man. I'm going to share something with you. This is really awesome. So while you send me that green piece thingy, I was sitting with someone called Bitcoin Matani. What he's doing is he is making educational content in five African languages for Bitcoin. He's a Bitcoin maxi. He is supported by Galoi Money. And this is how he's going forward. And I got connected to these little pockets of Bitcoiners who are trying something like Bitcoin Beach in Senegal, Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, Zambia, Mozambique. Yeah, there are all these little, little pockets. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. This is breaking news. Insider information. You say there's going to be, you know, people trying... Do they have their Bitcoin beaches yet, or are they just thinking? No, they it? have it. It's it's on it. Like I can give you those. I can give you those. I can give you those accounts, Twitter accounts, and you can just be like, "What the fuck?" Well, dude, <laughs> follow him. Follow his link to below. Okay, run with Bitcoin is. Why do you call yourself? Do you run also? Do you jog? Yeah, yeah, I run. I run because I always feel the sweat is the best drug in the world. So if I take something from the Bitcoin world, I share something from my side. Is like running. Otherwise, you're just on the computer all day. You know. <laughs> this dude is good. This dude is spiritual. This dude is physical. I mean, I I, I love running too. But you've yeah. got. I mean, every you should be on some other shows, dude. Uh, I mean, I I didn't. You've got some insider information there. I mean, because because here in in our side of the world, everybody makes such a big deal about Bitcoin Beach, and it is it's it's big. It's big. But it, I mean, if they were to do that in Africa, in, in Senegal, you're saying oh, Senegal. I've never heard Senegal even mentioned with Bitcoin, dude. That's a pretty hardcore country, man. That's a Senegal is a Muslim country, isn't it? I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, whoa, dude. It is uh, like Bitcoin is the most halal money in the world. So every time any Muslim meets me, yeah, it's like true. Yeah. Safedine actually had a, a tweet thread about that, but the tourism to a, to a beach in Senegal, I, I'm I'm no expert on that at all. Um, and, and that's you're bringing unique. And where did you grow up in India? Uh, I grew up in Oman, though. Uh, that's next to Dubai. So I grew up in a Muslim country. Oh, yeah, I thought you grew up in India. You said I thought you. No, said I, I'm born. I'm born. I'm born in India. Born. I'm an Indian passport. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay so yeah, you're from I Oman. Okay. All right. I, I know Oman. Yes, uh, Oman is. Yeah, I, I I know where that I do, but a lot of people. Oh, all right, all right. You, you are doing some. I'm learning a lot here, as you can tell. I'm, I'm learning as I talk to you. Do, do the other panel members have any any questions uh, for Paco here? All right, all right. No, no, no other questions from the panel members. All right, dude. So t t again, Paco, uh, you're don't worry, you're, you're sticking around. But I wanted to give you uh, just a, you know, a, a, just is you're doing something very special there, and uh, it's we call you a unique beast here on the show. So. Uh, any uh during your so wait how many days are a hundred days right and how many days are left another 200 to go i've done two oh, yeah. days, one, and yeah, you're using what and you you have you taught some of the people who use the lightning network and have you oh had yes oh yes I, I was sitting with a billionaire's table there was a bad bad big boy billionaires of kenya and i was trying to tell them about bitcoin and i said them i said one of the guys a lightning wallet and i showed him check this out we just exchanged some sats and then he didn't buy it. Then he was like, all right, cool. Yeah, whatever. And then they started questioning everything because they have lived in fiat standard all their life. But I end up starting, I, I, I think so I would have opened around 100 or 150 blue wallets, moon wallets, wallet of Satoshi's for random people from train rides to tuk-tuk drivers to COVID tests to haircuts. I like, I, I, I feel because I'll tell you why I'm doing this is because it's not my Bitcoin. I, I get this Bitcoin from the community to spread it around. So if, if it has to be hodled, you're doing a pretty good job hodling it. I get it to share it around to do the adoption and to share with people. Yes, you can buy a Flafil for Bitcoin or you can get yourself a pub crawl in Cambodia for Bitcoin or you're in Kenya, you can go for your Masai Mara Safari for Bitcoin. So I just showing to people there are these use cases. It is just not only about making money. So thank you all. Right. all. And, and, and so one of my questions you're using lightning, you're spending lightning, uh, but and I'm sure you get some negative feedback. I don't want to deal with Bitcoin. 
What is the take on the United States dollar? This is going to be a segue to another subject. Um, is the dollar, during my travels, the dollar is just, people want the dollar. People want the dollar. Yeah. So do people still want your dollars? Do they, is that oh, still, oh. would you say it's still number oh. one now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Dollar still prevails. Like, like everybody loves their dollars from Sri Lanka. The country is plummeted. It's done. Nigeria is done. They have like, it's, you know, rug pull you're talking about. It's these countries are facing literal rug pulls, 12 hour power cuts and all, and they will accept anything for dollar. They do not want their local currency. Cambodia is dollars. Uh, Sri Lanka is dollars. Kenya, they would prefer your dollars. Everything. They would really love your dollars. But until, until you give them some Bitcoin, like when you give somebody a fraction of as low as $5 of Bitcoin, and then they're like, Oh, wow. Is it possible? wasn't it expensive did you give me the real one? Oh my god but when you do the non-kyc wallet like a blue wallet or a moon wallet and then they're like oh wait he didn't do anything and he just gave me some bitcoin and people like it's like if you give somebody a toy they'll play with it right and this is what is happening people are not sharing it is just hardling and hardling and hardling it's a use case scenario when you start using it you'll be just surprised to see like wow you can like people love you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. So what I asked you that dollar question. We're gonna move on to Eric because the thing is, Paco, I, I, you know, you're having fun over there. But in the mainstream, uh, well, in the the realm that I travel in on Twitter, and uh, you know, people talking about this, everything that's going on in the Ukraine, all these people are saying we're entering a new world order. The dollar has gone down the toilet. Blah blah blah. Russia, China are gonna unite and use the yuan. The, the yuan. This dude is traveling around. The people want the dollar. I have been saying this for so long. You people who think the dollar is going away because of Russia, 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 or Ukraine, or this, that, and the other. Dude, come on. It just doesn't switch overnight. Some people are such <laughs> self-hating Americans. They, they want to see the. Well, there are a lot of people outside the United States that just want the dollar supremacy to go away. It's not going away anytime soon. Dudes, people want that dollar more than their trashy African or Asian or whatever South American currencies, all right? The dollar is a brand. The dollar ain't going away. And yes, it is awesome that you know people are being taught lightning and all and, and Bitcoin. That stuff's hard. I mean, it, it, it's, it takes you know a dude traveling around freaking Africa like that. So Eric ha has a tweet out there. While Bitcoin is entering the geopolitical main stage, it's important not to be naive about your near-term expectations. The dollar is a deeply entrenched system. A lot of people think this is the suddenly moment. I still think we're in gradually. So take it away, Eric. Uh, what's up with the dollar? What's up with uh, Bitcoin becoming the world reserve currency in 20 years, 50 years, 100 years? Okay. <laughs> take it, Eric. All right. So this is, this is a complicated one. Um, I, I think a good way to break it down is starting with what money is. And there's three primary functions of money, store of value, medium of exchange, and unit of account. And then if you think about this concept of like what global reserves are, how we denominate foreign uh, transactions, foreign volume, all these different concepts that people try to measure how dominant the dollar is within the economy. If you kind of think about the purpose of currencies within these three functions and you apply it to those areas i think it may it's, things start to make a bit more sense so if you want to have something that is a good store of value then that would be something that you would have in your foreign reserves and you know we have seen that the dollar is very dominant within that category but it has been losing a deep amount of dominance over time so there's it was in 2000 it was around 71 percent dominance and that declined all the way to 60 percent by 2021 q4 um so that's a pretty material decline and you know a lot of that can be attributed to the euro so we you know in terms of like foreign reserves we have dollar we have euro we got pound we've got uh japanese yen those are like the the four big ones technically the chinese yuan is classified in there but it's a very small percent it's like two and a half percent and then you have all these other currencies that are used in this big group of um you know emerging markets or developed economies that just have smaller um you know presence of their currency globally um so what you notice is that that dollar decline in reserves that we've seen over the past you know 22 years 
that has largely been made up for in all these very, very small reserve currencies. Not much has changed within the euro and some of the more dominant ones. And what we're seeing really, what that's an argument for is not really that the dollar is losing a ton of traction, but it's that the world's getting more dispersed. People are starting on the edge to use different things. And there's a lot more turnover we're seeing in terms of the reserve status of currencies in that area. You see a similar trend if you look at transaction volume of all these different foreign currencies. Um, and we're seeing this dispersion into what a lot of people in the space are calling, uh, you know, multi multipolarity. Politics are getting spread. We're getting different systems. There's different people that are rising up. Um, and I think that's probably a trend that I think the numbers are backing when it comes from like a monetary perspective is we are starting to see a lot more division. And while there's not some major crash of the dollar, um, we're starting to see a lot of other economies opt into alternative sources. And that's important um, because, you know, when you think about what makes something a good medium of exchange and you look at all of these, uh, you know, all these economies that are, you know, use a, a very high proportion of their spending is in remittances. And particularly when your domestic currency is, um, you know, something that isn't the dollar or the pound or one of these primary reserves, that means that there's a lot more intermediaries between you when you're doing international payments, which makes your transactions a lot more expensive. So there's, there's major demand for alternative systems and more efficient payment rails from that perspective. Um, so I think that there's a strong argument that the world's starting to spread more into this multipolar system. The U.S. is losing a bit of its political dominance. And that is one of the big arguments is that if they lose their political dominance, then, you know, maybe China and Russia team up, yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to go into the geopolitics. Um, it's not super important. What's important to understand is that um, there is evidently division that's occurring and that adoption we're starting to see is coming from other alternatives. And I think that that opens up a really compelling argument for what's happening with Bitcoin. Um, because when you look at that, when I'm talking about China, Russia, and then all these other, you know, other currencies that are being used as reserves, that's an incredibly large market. So like, if you think about the market for foreign reserves, it's like a 16 and a half trillion dollar market. Um, China, Russia, all those other currencies, those are about 12 and a half trillion of foreign reserves. They have very, that's a very large market of foreign reserves. So when we think about all the incentives and all the turnover and all the disbursement that's occurring within that group, um, adoption of Bitcoin in a very small allocation, I think makes sense in a gradual sense. So I think that a lot of them, their central banks are going to be saying, okay, we all have seen what these economic sanctions have done to Russia. Um, and obviously Russia and China are going to be considering opting into other areas. And obviously Russia has announced that it's going to be accepting Bitcoin in some form. Um, so that's big. And we already kind of know that. But what I think when we saw the signaling to all of these other economies that are all subject to the you know financial infrastructure of the U.S., they're all thinking to themselves, OK, now I need to rethink, number one, what type of financial infrastructure I'm using. And then number two, they're also rethinking the type of money that they're using, because when they saw these sanctions occur, they're like, OK, all this fiat money can be seized. You know, Russia had uh, 630 billion in reserves. They seized about 300 billion of it. And it's things like gold and harder money that people are starting to go back towards. So we're kind of seeing also, I'd say the broadest trend is this you know, decrease in trust within the system. People are trusting less, they're trusting credit less, and we're starting to move back towards commodity money. That's an incredibly favorable trend towards Bitcoin. I think Bit gold is gonna be a primary winner of that, but I think Bitcoin is gonna be capturing a large market of that. And then the trend of wanting to have alternative payment rails, that's gonna be another huge piece. And I think when you consider the size of all of these smaller economies aggregated around the world, that's a huge market. It's the majority of the market. And that's really compelling for Bitcoin. And even if we get a small form of adoption, that's a huge story. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, if Russia and China team up, they create some miracle CBDC, it's still confiscatable. So, you're, you know, you're not really, you're switching from one fiat to the other. The, United, the dollar is still the best fiat out there, is, is one of my conclusions. Okay. Uh, thought of, but by the, the, the masses, I, I, I think. And what the masses have to realize is that they've got to have a paradigm shift to get shift to get into something that is unconfiscatable, that isn't going to be a CBDC, that isn't going to be some fiat printed out to infinity type of thing. But I, I do want to say 
we have stable coins out there. These are not, you know, stable coins are not government uh, right now. You know, things like Tether. From what I have heard, 99% of the stable coins in existence are uh, based around the dollar. I mean, that's that's the uh, private market. That's the that's real people speaking what they think about the fiat situation. And I think that's, that speaks loud and clear about the dollar dominance, at least on a, uh, on, on a, on a, on a fiat, you know, versus fiat level. And I just wonder how, you know, you know, what happened in Canada, what is it going to take for people to really realize they cannot store their value in uh, fiat currencies because they they are used to the system. The system is is hard to break away from, and uh, the dollar is king of that system. I just I just want to stress that again that uh, you know Russia and China ain't uh, overtaking the, the dollar in terms of the what the, the current fiat system in my in my opinion. So uh, yeah, let, Kyle, what's your take on the dollar dominance and everything we've been talking about? I think the conversation around a, a lot of these like giant superpowers and the kind of financial infrastructure uh, as far as kind of like explaining to the average person who has yet to kind of really take a dive down the rabbit hole or uh, to even particularly like see the, the kind of broken nature of the system in, in places like the U S where it's obviously kind of still most clearly favorable to be holding all of your value inside of dollars as like uh, the financial infrastructures benefited us well here. The narrative that I've been kind of seeing most effective at kind of communicating the value of Bitcoin is to kind of like get outside of the, the technical stuff, to get outside of the geopolitical stuff and just literally get down to human value, right? So what what is money? If we talk about what is money, the way I've been looking at it is money is literally my life's energy stored in a tool that is supposed to be most representative of my energy. Like my time, my resources, my energy put into a tool that is understandable amongst everyone else for what my value represents. <clears throat> and uh, that's kind of been working a lot. Like this whole idea that one equals one and that's kind of the system that makes Bitcoin's value proposition work is that like mathematics doesn't seem fallible. I always tell people, I joke, I'm like, I'm open-minded enough that maybe like some place way out in the future, we evolve to like a species that's so intelligent, we realize one doesn't actually equal one. Uh, but for right now, it seems very likely that one will equal one forever. And uh, if we can build a foundational value system on top of that, everything on top of it is just that much more effective. Because unfortunately, what we're in now is a value system that someone else controls. It's, it's human versus mathematics, right? And I don't know any human being I've ever met that is like less fallible than mathematics. So I've just been trying to touch on this idea that the value system is really what's important here. It's like, forget all the geopolitics, forget all the technicals about how it works. Let's just break down what the value proposition of Bitcoin is. And the value proposition is that it's just based on truth and it's verifiable truth. So people seem to get that. It's pretty simple. It's the security truth machine. Pound that like button. Well, you gave yourself a good segue to explain what you were doing in Austin and traveling around and everything because you broke down how, you know, you, you're, you're not technically trying to explain it to people. You're, you're trying to get, get a one-on-one -on -one situation that they, they can relate to and everything. So you are spreading the Bitcoin world, word all over the, the, the U.S. And uh, tell us your story. Yeah. I mean, where to begin? I, uh, I've been... Around, I kind of got my introduction to Bitcoin in 2016, late 2016. It was just a little bit of an introduction. It was like not enough where I got skin in the game or really even started to research it. It was just like, that sounds interesting. And over the next four years, I kind of did my stints around the world. I did some traveling across the US. I did a year backpacking around the world. And everywhere I went, I'd run into somebody just randomly that would be like, a little conversation about Bitcoin that would turn into two hours, three hours, five hours long. It's like, 
a professor in San Francisco, uh, a hostel owner in Romania, uh, a, a business major, just like traveling the world as well. And, and every single one of these conversations started to add this like philosophical, philosophical depth to my kind of understanding of what Bitcoin was. The pandemic hit uh, in 2020 and I watched all of my friends just start doing crazy shit with money. Uh, and I started trying to tell them like, guys, I don't know everything there is to know about Bitcoin, but I know that this is the exact moment it was built for. You should probably buy some. Uh, and I started looking more heavily into it myself late 2020 when I actually finished building out the, the FedEx truck uh, that I turned into a tiny off-grid house that I currently live in. Once I finished building that, I came into a small inheritance. I dumped it into Bitcoin and Tesla. I dove full into like the markets versus Bitcoin. And it was about six months from there until I realized that the whole thing in the fiat realm was a disaster. It was all fake. I sold my Tesla up, dumped it into Bitcoin and a couple of Ethereum tokens. And uh, I held three Ethereum tokens for three weeks before I realized that all of the rest of crypto was just as much a scam and broken. It was basically fiat. So I sold those three Ethereum tokens and then I moved everything I had left into Bitcoin. Uh, shortly after that, I, I heard whispers in the wind about this scene that was kind of taking place in Austin. So I came to check it out. I showed up at my first BitDevs meetup at Unchained Capital. 125 Bitcoiners in a room with no masks uh, earlier in the pandemic. And I was just like, okay, I live here now. And I never left. And shortly after arriving, it became apparent to me that I, I needed more than just the technical meetups that were happening at BitDevs. I wanted more social more often. So we launched the Austin Bitcoin Club. Uh, basically a place where Bitcoiners could just get together, eat tacos, drink beer, and kick it with other Bitcoiners. That kind of got me plugged into a community that basically told me what they wanted. And the recurring themes very early were, we want to get developers together. So I took that idea, I started running with it. And from that thought process came Pleb Lab, which is our attempt at basically bootstrapping uh, a Pleb-built pleb driven uh bitcoin lightning accelerator program here in austin dude lightning dude you're bringing it and you i i believe at the event in oklahoma city you're anti-toxicity right i'm not anti-toxicity i i i have been trying to work through this narrative but i think there was a core group of people who were aggressive in the need for the building of the security model for Bitcoin for many, many years, right? And some of those guys were the original toxic maximalists, if you will. The thing that I'm anti is what's kind of come from that is what we used to have was this core group of people who were toxic and yet articulate. And what we've kind of moved into is a handful of really vocal people, especially online, that have taken that kind of that toxic maximalism that was articulate and they've moved towards toxic maximalism that has no articulation at all. They're not talking about the ideals that were articulated over here. They're just parroting like this hyper aggressive narrative of like, fuck you. Sorry. Just like, don't literally, it's just nonsense. There's, there's no actual, depth of conversation around why the security and the privacy models are all necessary and a valid and like necessary part of the Bitcoin ecosystem. So what I'm trying to get at recently is that like uh, what, what I see as a big challenge since starting Pleb Lab in, in particular is that we aren't really seeing this tsunami of lightning projects that a lot of us really thought was coming. And I think the challenge is that we have a really bad marketing and like network problem. We, we are literally so aggressive, especially online where most people are getting plugged into the, the crypto space and like trying to find information that we're pushing people away. We have all of these people who are maybe curious about what Bitcoin is and what lightning is and they show up 
and were basically like, get out of here. You looked at the word Ethereum on a computer screen today. And uh, that's really not a great approach. We've all been through our kind of shitcoin phase, right? And we should meet people where they are. Not everybody needs to be a 100% maximalist the day that they arrive. So I think we need to kind of have a little conversation amongst ourselves about the, the cultural rebranding and, and how we approach people who are not fully in. Because all the purists are here, dude. They're all here. And the, the kind of interface that's now reaching out to the kind of non-full Bitcoiner community, a lot of that community is just like aggressively attacking people and it's not doing us any favors. You looked at Ethereum's word today. You are, it's the Bitcoin Inquisition. That's, that's what I call it, the Bitcoin Inquisition. Well, you are awesome living out of a FedEx. I mean, yeah, tell it, me about that truck. Yeah, tell me about that. How did you do that? So, when I moved to California in 2016, I left in like a little Ford E350, threw like a mattress on the floor, built a bookshelf, took my dog, and hit California. When I got back from my year abroad, uh, I had given that vehicle away. It was broken down. Uh, it's actually the pinned tweet on my Twitter page. Is like it talks about like we're coming up on three years now, but like three years ago, I got back from my trip abroad and I was living in that broken down van parked behind a company I had used to work for in a tweaker neighborhood next to a dumpster filled with dog shit. And uh, I was like, this is definitely not going to work. So I got plugged back into San Francisco. I got plugged back into like a monetary kind of system, saved up some money. And uh, I bought a FedEx truck. It was uh, a 14 foot cab FedEx truck. I had it for three months and was like slowly working on it when the pandemic hit. And I was at the time I was kind of plugged into a 16 person community that I kind of built uh, out in San Francisco even before Bitcoin, community was kind of my thing. I'd say over the last five or six years, I, I have really kind of taken on uh, a lifestyle that is uh, a community activist, really. Like, I, I don't believe there's much more that's more powerful than community. So three months in, I get this FedEx truck, the pandemic hits, my whole van life community kind of uproots out of San Francisco. And I no longer had access to like a school with a shower and like locker rooms and like all of the resources that came with like a functioning city. So I got hyper aggressive with building out the van. I ended up with a full size shower, a full size fridge freezer, got 18 solar panels up on the roof. Um, and I just kind of pulled from my friend's experience. A bunch of them had done several different build outs of uh, van lifing vehicles out in San Francisco. So uh, at this point, it's just a fully off grid, fully functioning 14 foot, cab FedEx truck. It's it's a very small studio apartment, if you will. It's awesome. That is so and that, cool. And that's why you got the name Bitcoin Bum at first, because you were kind of is that how it came about? You were you were yeah. like a bum. Quote yeah. Well now, the idea know. was that the idea was that two twofold. Like one, I have actually lived like a bum. I lived in a broken down van in a tweaker neighborhood next to a dumpster filled with dog shit. And the second side of that coin is like a bum can also be somebody who spends an inordinate amount of time on one subject, right? Like a ski bum. Well, I am a Bitcoin bum. I spend an inordinate amount of time hyper-focused on this one thing, which is Bitcoin. So it's twofold. Dude, it will be great to see you again. Maybe I'll see the truck in my – we'll talk about what you're doing in Miami. And, dude, Austin is on fire. I guess at the end of the show, you could talk more about Austin too. I mean, or Texas is on fire. Florida is on fire in terms of Bitcoin. It is – it's great in these states. Well, is California losing out? Um, again, two years ago, things were so much different before all this nonsense started. And uh, Florida, Texas, the people that make up those uh, places and move there have, have really stepped up. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for the event. Use it, Adam10 discount code. And by the way, dudes, we, we Oklahoma City, we did well in. Bitcoin Day is having an event in a Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Yeah, I'll be speaking there. May 21st, that is linked to below. But if we're talking about bums, let's talk about the President of the United States real quick here. He is uh, <laughs> the eyes of five, a $5 billion 2023 revenue. Uh, okay, he wants to tax everybody. It seems like, you know, he's got this budget. He want, he's got some planned, some, it's not going to get approved, but it, a, a way to uh, tax unrealized uh, capital gains, it, that'll fail. 
But one aspect of his uh, targeting of, of Bitcoin people or crypto people, whatever you want to call them, Uncle Sam seeks to increase revenue by requiring United States residents to report any holdings in offshore accounts above $50,000. So for all you jackals out there that keep your Bitcoin on um, on foreign exchanges because you got to flip it and do all this stuff and you have they're finding out about it okay that is they're they're going to be able to get i mean i thought they'd already be able to get you for, for that and for me this story about biden and everybody wanting to, to figure out ways to steal money from bitcoiners and, and unrealized capital gains to, i mean it, it's expected but there's certain things you can do people why are you keeping your money on a foreign exchange to just flip it to play some games to buy a Cardano? Just if you keep it on a Trezor, you don't have to worry about any of this nonsense, okay? This is a serious, serious issue, okay? Eventually, some of these countries, their dream, their, their dream in terms of uh, the t taxing uh, Bitcoin is to make, uh, you know, Hardware wallets illegal. That's not happening. Okay. You're always going to be able to have a hardware wallet. You're always going to have, you're always going to be able to control your private key. But the CUCKs out there, they just rely on these third parties. You're going to get what you deserve. Okay. All right. All right. They are, it is, it, you, it's an easy target to come up with ways of taxing your, uh, and stealing. From the government stealing from you if you're if you're keeping your Bitcoin on a third party exchange, whether it be in the United States, it's super easy. But I mean, again, this uh, well, you're you're keeping it in a foreign country, we get to tax you at an even a higher rate. So I don't know uh, if you heard about this at all, panel. Uh, Eric, do you, any thoughts on this? I have not read into details of it, so I I, I can't really opine yet. All right. It's good. I just. I have a question. I have a question. Is is Trezor like? Is that like a French version of like a Trezor? Is that? Uh... <laughs> it's the way people from Baltimore pronounce it, baby. Because uh, I got yeah. an accent up the yin yang. It's not going away, despite being well off and having the best education money can buy. From generation to generation, the Meisters still have their working class Baltimore accent. Hell <laughs> that like button, baby. I'm representing Baltimore wherever I go. 1983 world champion Baltimore Orioles. All right. Let's uh let's take this to the next level. People do not keep the don't, don't keep your party, keep your money on exchange. Don't keep your Bitcoin on there. They're coming up with creative all sorts of creative ways here. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Eric. Your book, you were promoing it. Tell us all about your book, how people can get it, and everything. All right, Meister. Um, yeah, you can get it on Amazon. And just a quick overview. I so I come from like a financial background, economics background, and when I was getting into this space, there wasn't really the literature out there that I thought really put together the right um, perspective particularly for people who like to think about Bitcoin from that framework. And, and just in general, I, I wanted to write something that was, you know, the book that I'd wish I'd been given when I kind of first started off. And it covers money, it covers how our banking system works, it covers how Bitcoin works at a bit more technical level than average, which I think is really important, especially if you want to come work in this space or get really involved. And um and then I like to I like to keep it pretty measured. So I like to talk about a lot of the criticisms of Bitcoin in the book and discuss which ones are valid, which ones aren't um, and why that is. And, you know, generally most popular criticism, they're the result of a lack of like fundamental understanding and how Bitcoin works. Um, but there are valid criticisms. And a lot of those, I think, can be resolved by long term growth in the protocol or there's just a lot of uncertainty about the future and some of the incentives that Bitcoin will provide and how that will ultimately change. Um, so that, that that's pretty much it. You can get it on Amazon. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Yakes, E-R-I-C-Y-A-K-E-S. And, uh, you know, I like to talk about, you know, I talk about serious stuff, 
Adam referred to me as an academic earlier, so I'm going to start lowering the vocab a bit if that's the direction I'm going. I try to make things as simple as I can um, and not, you know, I think brevity is the best way to communicate. And I also like to tell jokes and I kind of troll a little bit. So tell people the name of the book, man. Oh, yeah. The Seventh Property. That's the name of it. All right. Now, follow him on Twitter to be able to find out all the stuff. What are you going to be doing in Miami? Oh, I'm going to be partying big time. Um, oh, I'm doing a book signing on Thursday, and that will be at 11 a.m. Thursday. It's in the bazaar is all I know right now. I'll be tweeting out details later. So if you're interested in the book, come meet me in Miami. Come get it, and I'll sign it for you. All right. And uh, do you expect uh, expect price controls in the United States anytime soon since we were talking about the bum beforehand? Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, you really think we're going to – well, the thing is, is we already have them, you know, we already do have price controls uh, in, in a variety of different ways at a federal and state level. I think what a lot of people mean is, are there going to be like broad sweeping federal level price controls implemented on major markets like commodities and things like that? Um, I, I think that we'll probably get to that point. Yeah. My Lord. My God. Yeah, that's that's that, they, they don't learn their lessons. I mean, I don't. Well, hopefully it, it, it can be delayed so long. We'll have a new uh, federal uh, uh, leader that, that won't go down that path. Uh, that, that, that's my hope. Um, all right. Uh, and speaking of my and Bukele, uh, speaking of leaders, is speaking at, uh, at, at Bitcoin 2022. I'm, I'm sure you're very excited about this, uh, Kyle. I know I am. Uh, well, sort of. And uh has he lost his mind, by the way? I, I want to. You guys all see him on uh, social media. Has he taken it too far, the president of El Salvador? I, uh, to be honest, I, I'm I'm honored to be on like such an amazing list of people speaking at Bitcoin conference, but on like a global macro stage, I don't pay attention to much of anything these days. I. I'm a pretty firm believer that what Bitcoin is doing is creating a hyper-localized, hyper-decentralized model. And I really do believe that pans out to a governance level at some point. So my focus is really on myself, my close-knit community, my friends, my family, and the people in my own backyard. I don't, I'm like all for people trying to go out and spread adoption in different states and different countries, but I'm kind of hunkered down in Austin right now. And, and I, I believe that a handful of places that just kind of show that it works and show that it can actually take hold uh, sends that message out to the rest of the world. So at this point, I, I don't I don't pay attention to any of it. I don't pay attention to the federal government in the US. I don't I don't even really pay attention much to what's going on in Texas. It's like my goal is to create the first city state, the Citadel City state of Austin and secede from Texas on a Bitcoin standard. So, yeah, I, it's, that's my answer. Dude, you are in motion. I love it. Hey, Paco, you're going crazy over there. Do you have thoughts on El Presidente of El Salvador? Dude, I was literally considering today to apply for my, for my I don't know, citizenship or residency to El cool. Salvador. I was literally, because India, starting from tomorrow, is taxing 30% on crypto. Oh, don't and I'm not... Boo. India is like the anti-El Salvador. I mean, the, the bureaucracy that goes on there, the confusion, they keep shaking. I mean, you're used to it. Sorry, you, take it away. Good move. To get, yeah. The least you can do is make sure you never go to India again. I mean, th that, that place is crap. <laughs> Sorry, it's, 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 yeah, 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 I'm with you on that. So I was just considering that. But I, I, I don't like Bukelele is at the end of the day, everybody's a puppet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I side with Paco on this one. Okay, man, man I, I'll tell you something really what I really love today morning's news was, was uh, Putin saying 5,000 rubles per troy or per gram of gold. And I was like, bring it back, you know, and I'm a neighbor of Russia. And I was like, all right, you guys want to get that together to bring back the gold standard, to give it another shot. So on a human level, as we were talking about Bitcoin, and I was like, that is something that was I was really excited about. And for Bukilele, man, it's 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 a talk of the town. Let's see what comes to the Bitcoin conference. So he'll come down and he'll be clear about it because 
He's spearheading it, followed by Honduras, Argentina, I guess. Yeah. So. Now, now you, so are you going to, you're not, obviously, you're not going to be at the Bitcoin conference. Uh, the other two guys are. Will you be watching it at all? Are you going to take, yeah. take a peek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I would love to watch it. I, I was well, trying you, to come down there. Yeah. You're making a real, I mean, you're going to be having your own Bitcoin conference in Africa. Nah. Adoring it and making a real difference uh, while we're partying uh, like rock stars. And, and on that note, Kyle, what exactly are you doing at the uh, Miami Bitcoin Conference? I got to read the Miami Bitcoin Conference promo too. I got to do that after Kyle speaks. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I I've had a bunch of people reaching out. I, I'm telling all of them the same thing that I said last year before I was even in the space. But I, I feel the same way about it. It's I only know two things for certain right now, and that those are going to be the only two things that I know for certain until I arrive in Miami. I'm doing beefsteak, and uh, I'm doing my presentation. Otherwise, I'm putting nothing on the calendar in stone. If you reach out to me while I'm there and I'm not doing anything, cool, let's kick it. But I'm, I'm going into Miami with a go-with-the-flow, kind of unplugged from the work scene, I'm just going to network and kick it with plebs. And that's really what I'm most excited about. That's in my opinion, that's the value of this conference is like hearing about and meeting and chilling with all the cool people that you don't see on Twitter and YouTube and everything else all day, every day. Like I didn't watch a single presentation last year and I, I don't intend to catch any of them this year if I'm being honest. Dude, you are on the same page as I am. I, I, you know, I got stuck in there when Ron Paul was rambling on, but I was not in a many, I, I was not in uh and, and I mean, you could, you know, I'm not partisan here. Biden's senile, so is Ron, Ron Paul's in bad shape too. It's and people couldn't admit. I couldn't believe people. I couldn't believe people couldn't admit his mental decline last year. They worshipped him so much. But um, anyway, going back, I, uh, I, I was in the. I love being just walking around there and meeting people. And it's just, that brings me a lot of excitement. I think people who watch my show for a long time can see where my excitement comes from. You know, when I hear Paco talk about these things, I, I love the insider information. I, I, I can't stand the common news that CoinDesk repeats over and over again. I can't stand that China is making this a legal thing. I can't, I can't stand, well, to a certain level, you know, Bukele is king of the world or Max Kaiser is so smart. I mean, these things that go on and on and on and never end. I love the unique beast out there. And that's why I love doing this thing with Bitcoin Day too. Traveling to places like Sioux Falls. I hope I didn't call it Sioux City before. Sioux Falls and uh, Oklahoma City and everything. So I I have, you know, I, some people have already booked me to hang out with me. I, I know I'm going to hang out with a, with with Dennis uh, from, from Portland, uh, talk some uh, political, how we can make... Uh, Bitcoin, uh, more of a, a bigger issue, you know, a one for, for voters. I don't like to vote, but if we just all come together and say, this is our main issue, we're a one issue voter, th th that could make a big, that's Dennis Porter. He's been on the show before you guys all, you guys all know him. He's it, I, whatever, find him on, on Twitter, but yeah, it is, it's going to be great to network, network, network. I think that is one of the big uh, selling points of this. So I'm going to read you the podcast script. One last time, people, I know Bitcoin 2022 is the largest Bitcoin event ever that takes place April 6th to 9th. That's freaking next week in Miami Beach, Florida. And by the way, guys, I've never been to Miami Beach in my life. I've been to Miami, but I've never crossed that bridge because eh, it costs money and I didn't feel like it. And I don't need to see that touristy stuff. But I got for this, I got to do it next week. Got to do it. all four days will be packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements and an incredible lineup of expert Bitcoin speakers and leaders. Day one, day one is industry day for those who are looking to build a Bitcoin business or career. That's for you big spenders out there that want to, you know, meet all the superheroes of Bitcoin that own billion dollar businesses. Day, and, you know, others, day two and three are general conference days. We're all going to be there that, those days. The three, the three of us, Apaka will be in uh, Africa. Uh, featuring speakers like El Salvador, El Presidente, Nayib Bukele, who we just talked about, who's promoted a big surprise, U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, who's going to be there. Uh, thought leaders like Jordan Peterson, that's going to be pretty awesome, isn't it? And hang on, I lost my uh, track there. Uh, yeah, Michael Saylor, everybody workshops. Elizabeth Sale, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, hundreds more. The conference caps off with the world's largest, uh, world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival. That'll be on uh, Saturday, 
and it's headlined by all these people I don't know. It's three times larger than last year. It sold out last year. It's going to be like 30,000 people there. Use the Adam 10 discount code for 10% off. And yeah, I, I read the entire thing. That's the last time I got to read it, dudes. All right, let me see what other stories we got to cover because we got to get out of here. We're at the we're at the hour mark. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, we'll we'll talk about the Paco. Give us your final words. T- tell us some stuff you want that you've been doing. Um, how people can reach out to you. Anything, anything. The floor is yours. You know, you're, you're, you know, because you, you got to spread the word. Pe- more people got to find out about you. Man. All right. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, thank you. Uh, 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 what you can do is like if you give someone a car, the person will drive it. If you give that person Eric's live streaming, live streaming is on. Is on. Yeah. All right. Uh, so as I was saying, like, so give some person that some Bitcoin, so the person can get that Bitcoin and do their research about it. Uh, you can follow my journey on ra- Twitter, Run with Bitcoin, or on YouTube channel. It's called Paco de la India. Uh, thanks to the entire Bitcoin family around the world. I'm really excited to go to Austin now because he's just told me really cool stuff. Uh, uh, thanks to you all that this journey is possible because it's a purely crowdfunded campaign. So it's the website is called support.runwithbitcoin.com. So if we can partner up or if we can do something to keep this journey going and spreading the word of Satoshi Nakamoto. You're doing amazing on the ground work out there. I hope you can make it to Austin in America one of these days. Um, I don't know what insane restrictions we'll still have then or what, what insane restrictions we still have now for a person who has your, uh, your uh, what's it called, your visa, your passport. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> all, all sorts of crazy rules. I don't know. How many passports do you have? You've got a couple, right? Yeah, I've, <laughs> lost, I've lost two damage to one, so I'm like kind of in a situation. <laughs> oh, my. The, the joys of traveling around the world, people. I, Okay, let's 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 go let's go to Austin and Kyle real quick. T- tell us some insider information about Kyle uh, about Austin. Anything you want to share? Well, firstly, Paco, when you arrive, man, reach out. We'll make sure you have a good time. Um, what we're doing, probably the easiest way to reach me is Twitter at the underscore Bitcoin underscore bum. If you are a developer looking to build cool projects and want to get plugged into the best Bitcoin building ecosystem on planet Earth, move to Austin. Reach out to us at pleblab.com. We're always looking for wizards crafting magic stuff with their magic code. So, uh, yeah, and then we'll see you in Miami. All right, dude. All three of these guys are linked to below. A reminder. Also, I forgot to say, I uh, linked to below. It says, watch this tweet of mine. It's a little 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 summary of the uh, the the proof of stake uh, attack on, on Bitcoin, the, the proposed energy fud stuff. It's it's a real quick two minute one. All right, Eric, you got you got the final word word here, man. Uh, what are you doing? Any anything you want to add uh, to, to the story here? You, you got to have something uh, something to promote. But. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not gonna really like promote anything, but everybody watching, if you're you know new to this space, if you're in, like, I think. Uh, since I've been involved, the number one thing was, um, you know, just pursuing your curiosity in the space and really, really diving all the way in. So I encourage anybody listening to also do that. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot of purpose in this area. All right. Short but sweet, baby. That's it, dudes. There are no more topics to cover. I don't think there are at least, uh, you know, I'm not going to check my notes. I'm Adam Meister of Bitcoin, Meister Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel. Pound that like button. I'd say Shabbat Shalom. I'll say Shabbat Shalom. Uh, tomorrow is Friday, but it's not. Uh, usually we do this show on a Friday. That is it. I had no idea what I'm going to do another show. And because of that, I feel awesome. I feel free. I made a commitment to Bitcoin Magazine to do these shows every week. I did these shows every week. I've got conviction. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really going to love not doing these shows. <laughs> You guys can find me on Twitter. I'll do short little videos and stuff. Who knows when you're going to see me again? Well, you'll see me in person, definitely, in Miami this next week, all over the place. Look for me riding on the streets of Miami. And uh, then I'll be in South Dakota. I'm doing the Bitcoin Day tour. I'll be in your city, Denver, Charlotte. Who knows where? We're traveling all around the place. 
So I just want to thank these guests. You, you're on a very special show. This is going to be the last for a while. So you're a unique beast. And I'm really proud of bringing you. These guys have never been on my show before. And I tried throughout this, uh, you know, doing these shows for Bitcoin Magazine. I never brought you a repeat guest. I brought on so many new people. I love bringing new names out there to the general public, to all you guys. And I know most of you want to see naked women and fancy sets and graphics and want to see the same people over and over and over again. But for the 20 center, 20 percenters who have brains, I really hope I made you think because I brought, I brought on people who I thought were smart, people who I respected, people who were different, people who were unique beasts. And I, I, I'm serious about that. I know I'm a funny guy. I make all sorts of jokes. I'm pretty wild out there and stuff. But there, there is a method to my madness. And I think some of you know it. And for those who appreciate it, thank you very much. Everybody, have a great weekend. Have a great conference. And we will see you. I will see you in person soon online. Who knows? But real life is real life. Go outside every day. Don't be a fear monger. You know, that's what we are. We're the opposite of that here in the unique peace space. See you later. Thanks a lot, guys. And guess you rocked it. We are off air. All right. Let me... Uh...